Thanks for listening to the Life Church Boise weekly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Mark Bohr. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. tonight. This is, uh, uh, if you're not used to Wednesday nights, this is actually an oddity that I have something that I want to say <laughs> ahead of time. Uh, and I have a few things, uh, just a few verses that I want to read, and I got these in my heart uh, earlier today, and so it seems good that we would go and, and, and share a few things from the Word. Uh, everybody okay with that? All right. About 10% of you are okay with that. The rest of you suffer through it. No. Uh, amen. I, I want us to think for a moment uh, about um, anger. Anger. Is, is anger a good word? Is it a bad word? Is it a, is it a good emotion? Is it a bad one? Um, anger. Uh, Certainly, we all know that there are um, scriptures that tell us not to be, and, and for certain, we can understand that there is a fleshly type of anger and wrath and malice and, and those type of things that if we find ourselves frequently going there, we're missing it somewhere. Uh, how many? How many? No, none of us would desire to be described as an angry person. <laughs> you know, if you say, "Man, they're an angry person," we think, "Ooh," you know, that's not good. But right on the other hand, uh, we we know that uh, it is possible for someone to be angry at something that is unjust, something that is wrong. And you're not necessarily sinning by being angry about something that's not right. And so context means a whole lot. Uh, you might recall that Jesus said that whoever is, this is Matthew 5, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. But he qualified, he said, if you're angry with them without a cause... So apparently you could be angry with someone for a reason, and that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. You might recall James chapter 1 and verse 19, and it reads that, it, let it, it says, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. All right, be, be very slow to go that way. Well, why would we be told to be slow to wrath? Well, whenever someone is quick to think that way, to feel that way, they're very likely missing it. They're very likely getting in the flesh, yielding to the wrong spirit. And so if you're quick to be upset, that's not good. You, you might recall as well Ephesians 4.26 reads, be angry and do not sin, right? Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. So we can see in scriptures that we definitely need to have control of this kind of thing. And if you don't, uh, well, you might want to get born again. If you already are born again, you might want to get filled with the Spirit. If you are, you know, if you have received the Holy Spirit, yeah, I would spend a lot of time praying in tongues. 
I mean, not that there's not other things you can do, but I would ask, what are you meditating on, that kind of thing? What are you watching? What are you thinking about on a regular basis? If you stay full of the Spirit and full of the Word, you're gonna, that, that thing's going to have a, either a quick or a slow death in your life, meaning that quickness to wrath and anger uh, because it's not the way the Lord is. And, and it'll, it'll, be, it'll be washed out. It's that, it's that principle, you fill something up, you know, you got your glass of, of milk, let's say, and you pour water into that glass and let it overflow. The more you water you pour into that, eventually there's going to be no more milk in there. It's just going to be all water. And you can deal with a whole lot of bad junk in your life, not by trying to get it out. I got to stop this. I got to clean myself. No, just focus on pouring a whole mega load of the right thing in your life and keep doing it and keep doing it. Not just for a day or two, just make it your way of life. Keep pouring it in, keep pouring it in, keep pouring it in. Eventually you'll find out, man, there's not, I don't even have that issue anymore. It's like it's just gone. Amen. And, and so what about God? You've heard about Bob. What about Bob? Maybe. If you, <laughs> it's an old movie. If you don't. But what about, <laughs> what about God? Is, is God, does he ever, ever get angry? Uh, this is a good question. Does he ever get angry in this dispensation? Meaning? age of grace, the church age, after the cross. Does God ever get angry now? Uh, is He always pleased today? Is He always pleased with us? Amen. These are not trick questions, but they're good questions. Because uh, you have people on all sides of this, uh, all sides of the road on, on this particular thing. Uh, uh, some individuals will see God as an angry God. And how many know that's not, that's not the case? Just like, I mean, I don't think I would be described, or most of you, you know, I don't know everyone, but would, you wouldn't be described as an angry person. Would God want to be described that way? He's an angry God. You know, like the old-time old sermon, uh, uh, who was that? Was it Jonathan Edwards that, that preached a famous old message many years ago called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, you know, and it would scare people out of hell or scare the hell out of them or something. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I would say for certain, God cannot be described that way, should not be described as an angry God. That's not correct. That's not true, that He is an angry God. Yet you can see scriptures that do speak about him in, in, in using that language. Um, uh, but, you know, I would say this, independent of our dispensation, uh, there are certainly things that God is not pleased with. Uh, and he's never been pleased with sin. He doesn't give him a warm and fuzzy when people are doing even though he loves us, when people are doing the wrong thing, uh, he has always been displeased with sin. And, you know, just for awareness sake, it might be, you might be good to know that these scriptures exist like Psalm 7 verse 11, which reads, God is a just God and God is angry with the wicked every day. 
Well, that doesn't sound real nice, does it? Angry with the wicked every day. Yet at the same time, we wouldn't describe him as an angry God. And of course, that is old covenant. And so some things are are different this side of the cross. But let let me read a few more verses to you just to to ponder and consider this, this aspect of God. Romans 11, 22 I know I'm just give, you know, giving out verses. You can write them down if they're helpful to you. 11.22 reads, Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you goodness if you continue in His goodness, otherwise you will be cut off. So we recognize about God there is His goodness and there is His severity. Okay, I didn't make that up. That's right there. That's New Testament. That, that is an aspect of God's character, of who He is. Uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. 1, 18 reads, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So that we, we do read about this language, the wrath of God being revealed. Should we ignore that verse because it's not warm and fuzzy? No. No. Ephesians 5 and verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now, uh, and then I'll read you one more, then I'll make some comments. It's Revelation 6. 16 and 17, and he said uh, to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the, le- the, and, and from the wrath of the Lamb, uh, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? And so we see that, and you could read many more verses that, that, that reveal to us uh, this aspect of God and His, ju- His uh, you know, His justice and so forth. Having said that, it's not the will of God that anyone would experience His anger or wrath. You know that? That He's not desirous of that anyone would, would uh, fall in that and come under that severity, what's the Lord always been looking to do? He wants to show people His goodness. He wants to be good to people. He's trying His absolute best to find a way where He can be good to people, be merciful to them, be kind to them, even when they're jerks, even when they're sinful. God is looking for a way to show kindness to them. It's the goodness of God that draws people, draws men to repentance. And so the Lord wants to be kind. And so He's always been looking for a way that even though mankind has been sinful, He's trying to say, well, I want to bless them anyway. And I mentioned this recently. It's the reason why He established covenants. It's the reason in the Old Testament why He gave them a system, uh, the Levitical system of sacrifices. It was all this so their sins could be dealt with in a legal way, and He could come in and being just and doing the right thing still bless a sinful creation. He always wanted to. 
And then the ultimate fulfillment of that was, of course, in Jesus, where all of our sin, all of our shame was put on the Son, was put on Jesus. What was the purpose of that? So God could be just and bless us because He loved us so much. He wanted to remove people's sin. He wanted to have legal access to show kindness and mercy and love and grace toward everyone. So he said, if I can get it on my son, he can pay the price for it. And then, of course, he, he still gave us free will. But then whoever would call upon me, they'd be saved. And they wouldn't have to suffer. They wouldn't have to come under the wrath of God. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, even though these things are a reality, I think it's important for us to know that it is, but then also know what God desires, also know what He wants for us. But as I look in Scripture and I consider this issue of, of anger and how it might apply to me, uh, and, and when is it right, is it ever right, and how does the Lord act of course, I think about Jesus. He's our, uh, his earthly life and ministry was our example of how we should live. We should walk even as He walked. The Bible tells us that. And uh, did you ever see Jesus exhibit anything other than kindness? <laughs> Again, not a trick question, but maybe you think it is. So, uh, but the answer would be yes. Yes. I mean, he was kind and willing. I mean, even when people blew it and people were in sin, I mean, he would be quick to show grace. But there was situations where and a lot of it had to do with uh, hypo hypocrisy. When, when people were religious hypocrites, he'd get in their business and he'd call them names. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, whitewashed wall and all, you're, you're a full of, you're a tomb full of dead bones and, 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 I mean, he would use some colorful language to say things the way they were. And you might recall, you can read over in the book of John, the second chapter, and then also in Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke, I believe there's, an, uh, there's one of these accounts in all three of those synoptic gospels of when Jesus cleared out the temple, he did it on more than one occasion. Uh, from my reading, he did, it, he did it twice that we have record of where he went into the temple, and of course they were, you know, ripping people off. They're buying and selling, and there's thieves, and, and he, he goes in there and says, this place is supposed to be about prayer. This is, a, this is the, supposed to be a house of worship, house of prayer, calling on the name of the Lord. He said, you guys have made it a den of thieves. And what did he do? The, if you read, the, read John's account, you see he went in there. He was not happy. And uh, he sat down. I mean, you can see how he was not an emotional, uh, you know, where he would fly off the handle, where he was just out of control. And sometimes he just had a bad day. He just got mad and yelled at everybody. No. <laughs> That's flesh. That's not right. But, but Jesus saw that. He was grieved. He knew it was wrong. He was upset. And he sat down and made a whip. That's you, that's how, I'm glad that that's in there. He didn't just go grab one. He sat down and weaved one. <laughs> and uh, uh, I get, how do you make whips? But uh, he made one. So he was calculated. And then he went and started swinging it. <laughs> And started flipping over tables and, started, and, and, and made some statements. But you can see that, he, he, of course, he was sinless, but he was upset with how things were being handled. All right? 
And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I don't want to say that even though Jesus has gone to the cross and bore my sin and, and, and ju- he was judged in my place and all these things, I don't think I can accurately say that he's never upset today because he's the same and God has never been pleased with wrongdoing, never been pleased with sin, but I do know this, that even if I've sinned, even if I've played the fool and did some wrong things. If I will turn to the Lord, I know He's happy about that. I know His arms are open to me at all times, and I know His arms are open to anyone, even though they've done wrong things, even though they've been in sin. As soon as they turn to the Lord and they're calling on Him, He's like, oh yeah. huh? Did He like what they were doing? No. Might have even grieved Him, upset Him, but when they turn to Him, what do they get now? Goodness. And that's why we're told come to Him. I, I, I don't, I think that it's a wrong presentation if, if we teach or speak of God in, this, in such a way that we're a person who is living wrong, they're in sin, they're doing the wrong thing, if they think they're going to turn to the Lord and He's going to clobber them for what they did. See, that's not the way He is. If they're going to turn to the Lord, they're going to get love. If they're going to turn away from the Lord, that's where the problem is and where we should really know that's not safe. It's not a good idea. You know how people do that. Maybe some of you have done this in your life where you go off doing the wrong thing and you felt anything but, you know, you didn't want to turn to the Lord because you felt bad about it, you felt guilty, whatever you, uh, but you didn't want to turn to the Lord. And the, the enemy's lie is you can't. You're too far out. You've blown it. You, you can't do that now, and, and you're just a hypocrite if you do. It's all kinds of thoughts that would come to your mind, try to get you to not turn back, because what's going to happen when you do? Embrace. What's going to happen? Love. You remember Jesus taught us, a, uh, uh, you know, the, this parable of the prodigal son, and the, the, the father's son who went off into riotous living, took his inheritance, went and lived a riotous party in life and blew all the money and just wasted his living. Eventually, he ran out of money and was eating the pig's food. And, and uh, you know, uh, but eventually he came, to, he, he just decided, hey, at least, you know, my father's house, and even the servants, at least they're eating. You know, they're better, they're better off than me, even though I'm his son. I, they're doing better than I am. So he finally went back. And you know, when he did, his father saw him from afar off. Why? Man, he was wanting him to come back. Was he happy with the way he was living? Of course not. I mean, why would you happy, be happy with, with someone living like a fool? But when he saw him, oh, he was sure glad he was back. Amen. I wonder, maybe there are some, you've been off. You've been goofing off. You've been out. You're not walking, haven't been living for the Lord. Know this. Know his heart is for you. Does he, does, he, does he like that you're away? Does he like some of the things you're doing? No. Are his arms open if you'll come back to him? Yes. Yes. You're not coming back to an angry God. You're coming back to a God of love and mercy who wants to restore and wrap his arms around you. Amen. Amen. And so it is true now that, I mean, how would I, let me say it this way, how would I describe God's position today? Is He angry towards people? Is He ever angry towards His children? Is He ever ticked off at me? Uh, 
I would say this, that God's general disposition towards all of us and towards the whole planet because of the cross of Christ is not one of anger. His general disposition towards all of humanity is that of looking for a way to show kindness, looking for a way to show love. In fact, much of what people deserve, even those, even those who have not uh, submitted their lives to the Lord, has been delayed to give them time to repent and experience His goodness. Okay, so in other words, a lot of people are doing stuff and they're, in one sense, quote, getting away with it, not ultimately, but God in His mercy is giving them time. And that's because of, He's legally able to do it because of Jesus on the cross, and so He's able to show kindness towards people who don't even deserve His kindness. Well, that'd be me. <laughs> It'd be all of us in, in reality, right? And so, uh, however, this doesn't mean that He's happy about sin in the world today. Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to have this view and explanation of God that because of Jesus on the cross, that now towards all kinds of of behavior, towards all attitude, God is just smiling down at everything. I just love everything. No, He doesn't. He still feels the same way about sinfulness and about selfishness and, and, and that kind of, as he always have. It's contrary to his nature. It's contrary to who he is. He, again, but he's looking for a way to pull people out of it, not condemn them for it. But he still, uh, you know, there's, there's this idea, this mindset that, that the Lord is, is, is pleased with everyone all the time because of Jesus. There's this idea, but because Jesus suffered for us, took our place, was judged in our place, that God is now happy with everybody all the time. See, I think that will mess up our relationship with Him. That's not practical. Okay, okay here's one of the deals. Uh, I'm, no, I'm not even having you turn to any scriptures, but that's all right. You've... Uh, read where Jesus was baptized in water by John the Baptist. Remember the Jordan River? You can read about it in Matthew chapter 3, for example. And when Jesus started his ministry, the very first thing he was revealed, John saw him, had a revelation. There's the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. You know, remember that, that discussion? Jesus said, I need to be baptized. By you. So Jesus was baptized, and when, when, when that happened, the Father spoke. The Father spoke from heaven, and apparently people heard it, at least John heard it, but what the Father said was, this is my beloved Son in whom, there's different gospels, we'll use some different words there, he said it all, but in whom I am well pleased. And so the question then goes to this, is the Father always pleased with all of us because we are his sons and daughters, you know, sons, is the pleasure of God solely based upon the position that we hold with him? And then if that's the case, does our behavior, does what we do, what we do does that play into any uh, amount of God being pleased or not being pleased? 
And I know some have taken that scripture and say, see, Jesus hadn't even started his ministry yet, and the Father was pleased to him, was pleased with him, so what you do doesn't matter. Now, I understand if someone is trying to say that God loves you, period, and, he, and his love for you is not conditioned upon your performance, I fully agree with that, okay? But when the Father said to Jesus, you're my beloved son, and I'm pleased with you, what was he pleased with? Now, was he pleased just because Jesus was his son? I would say absolutely yes, and I can relate to that as a parent, that there is pleasure in your children just because they're your children. And they may goof off and do wrong, but there's still something there. Am I right? I mean, you may not like someday what they're doing. You might want to slap them. Or <laughs> but they're still, ah, but they're my son. They're my daughter. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the case. Now, obviously, with Jesus, he didn't do anything wrong either, so it's like, but do I think the Father was pleased with Jesus because of how he conducted himself as well? Yes. I know as a parent, I can be pleased or I could be displeased with my children in proportion to their behavior. I'm always pleased that they're my child. I'm always pleased. There's always something inherent there that never goes away. They find, I find pleasure in them. But then their behavior, well, the pleasure levels go up and down. Hmm? And I think if we can see this uh, in how the Father views us, is He pleased with us because we're in His family? Yes. Because we've called upon the name of the Lord and made Jesus our Savior? Yes. Pleased. Is He automatically pleased every day, every moment of every day with everything we do? Nope. <laughs> No, he's, he's not. And this is a reality that we should have of God, that this is a real relationship. We shouldn't confuse his acceptance of us as part of the family as approval of selfish or sinful actions. Amen. And I know our salvation isn't hinged on, on sinful behavior. If I sin and die, I'm going to heaven. You know, I know people wonder, what, what if the last thing you did was a sin? Well, your salvation is not hinged on that. Have you made Jesus your Lord? Have you made him your Savior? Uh, you know, people think, what if I left a sin unconfessed? <laughs> your salvation is not hinged on that. Thank God it's not, otherwise we're all, you know, living on thin ice, right? It's, all, it's based upon you receiving Jesus as your Savior. But uh, some have said that because of redemption, God could never be displeased with us. People have told me that in different, over the years, that uh, I found out that God can never be displeased with me ever again because of, you know, because of grace and because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. I think, I don't think that's right. Some things at times, you ever hear things and you hear statements and something on the inside of you goes, uh, it's like, uh, 
Now, I don't, I'll frequently won't respond to people right away, especially if I don't have a, a real good biblical answer, but I start to, I ponder things. And I say, is that right? Is that true? Is God, is there, is there ever a time when God could not be pleased with me? I mean, what if he tells me to do one thing and I do something else? Is he just as pleased if I did something else? Well, no, he's not. He's not happy with me. Does he still love me? Yeah. Am I still in the family? Yeah. Yeah. Is he happy that I did that? No. You know, we were talking with uh, uh, Joe Morris the other day, you know, who ministered on Sunday, and, and he was uh, just share, sharing a story in response to a question, and someone had asked him, and I won't go into the details, but basically how the, the Lord appeared to him and told him to do a particular thing. And then it was, if I'm remembering right, a couple of years later, he hadn't done it. And, uh, and he, the Lord appeared to him again and didn't say a word. He said, I think he said he was just, this is a little bit, he was like leaning against the counter, just stood like, sat there like that and looked at him. Didn't say a word. Well, I don't know, what was he thinking? <laughs> But he knew. It was like, ah. I mean, he told me to do that. I didn't do that. You totally know why he's there. <laughs> he's not there to say, good job. <laughs> and sometimes you don't need to say anything, right? It's like parents, sometimes you don't need to say anything to your kids. You know, it's like, yeah, you know. <laughs> what? Yeah, whatever. What schmutt, you know. <laughs> uh, and so I think this is, this is, this is a re- reality. Uh, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. I'll give you, a, we'll, we'll look at one scripture together. Colossians. Um, yeah. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Chapter 1. Would it be wrong for a parent to express displeasure in something their child does? No, in fact, it would be right to do that. Hmm? I mean, it would not be right. I mean, a parent could go overboard, and they could, you know, break the spirit of the child and so forth, and, and certainly we wouldn't recommend that. The father's not going to do that to you. He loves you. But could he ever express displeasure with something that we did? Yeah. Doesn't mean he doesn't love us. Doesn't mean we're not his beloved child. Huh? Doesn't mean he's not pleased that we're, that we're in his family. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to, uh, wants us to do something different. Here, here's, a, here's an example. In Colossians 1, there's a prayer here. Uh, uh, begins in verse 9, but look at verse 10. Part of the prayer that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice this is a prayer. Paul is saying, I'm praying this for the church at Colossae, and he says, I'm praying that you would walk worthy, not be worthy. You are worthy based upon the new birth. 
You've been born again. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And now you're in the family of God. You are righteous and holy and clean forevermore. He made you that way. That's just the fact. Now he's saying, I I wish you'd walk that way. And so I'm praying for you that your walk would match the new creation reality that's in you. Hmm. And so he's saying, I'm praying that you would walk worthy, fully pleasing him. What does that mean? You could walk in a way that doesn't fully please him. It's possible for a person to not bring pleasure to God in the way that they walk. What's the Lord trying to do the whole time? If we're walking in a way that is displeasing or not fully pleasing him, what is he trying to do? He's wanting to bring us back so that we can experience his full measure of blessing and favor. But when we walk away from that, that becomes limited in our experience, not in our position, not in our rights in Christ. The promises don't go away. His love for us doesn't go away, but we walk away from the fullness of what He wants to do. Amen. And so, uh, and, and, and so that, that, that's, that's His prayer, that we would do that. And you can see what, what pleases the Lord, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I tell you, it brings pleasure to God when you know Him more. It brings pleasure to God when there is fruit that abounds from your life. Amen. That, that fruit, you mean, you know, it's the positive results. I mean, if you're praying and your prayers are answered, that's prayer fruit. Read John 15, you see that. Uh, you, whatever you do for the Lord, it works. It produces results. The Lord is pleased when you and I are fruitful. Amen. Not barren, not, not, not able to accomplish good things in, in life. And so I would ask the question and, and, and consider uh, these thoughts, um, does the Lord ever get angry even in the new covenant? Certainly. Certainly. I mean, we're told in Ephesians chapter 4 not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, is grief the only emotion the Spirit of God experiences? Would anger be outside of that equation then where, where that could never happen? But he does get grieved. He just doesn't get ticked off. <laughs> no. And if we're told not to grieve him, I think we should also be of this mind. I don't want to make the Lord angry. I think there should be within every single one of us a deep desire to please the Father. And I think when you spend time with them, that is the case. Just like you, could, just like you see it in, in children, children have some kind of inherent thing within them. They want their parents to be pleased with them. They want their parents to think something good about them, all right? And, uh, and we want that, and that's a good thing. Please the Father. Now, don't equate your performance with whether He loves you or not. Because that's a fact, and you can't mess it up, and you can't lose it, because uh, that's a settled fact. He just does, and He established it and settled it in Jesus. We're sealed into the day of redemption. But I'm talking about the way we live. Look for a way to be fruitful. You know, Hebrews chapter 11 says, and verse 6, and without faith, 
it is impossible to what? To please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I know if I'm in unbelief, he's not pleased with that. Is he pleased that I'm his child? Yes, all the time. Glad I'm in. Is he pleased with, the, with my unbelief? No, wants me to trust him. Wants me to believe him. When I do, it's an avenue for him to bless me. It's an avenue for him to show himself strong in my life. But let's seek. Amen? Let, let, let's seek in our own lives to please the Father. To put a smile on his face. Not just because we're in the family, but because we're uh, uh, fruitful. Because we have faith. And we become fully pleasing Him in every good work. Amen. Father, thank You for working in us tonight. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.